Imagine turning down a billion dollar offer for a company you started in your dorm room. That's exactly what Mark Zuckerberg did with Facebook. But why? Yeah, I think one of the hardest parts for me was was actually when Yahoo offered to buy the company for, for a lot of money. Because you're about to listen to a fascinating conversation between Sam Altman, a renowned entrepreneur and investor, and Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and CEO of Facebook, one of the world's most influential technology companies. In this clip, Zuckerberg shares insights from Facebook's early days, the challenges of innovation, his unique approach to hiring, and why he refused a lucrative buyout offer. Get ready for a journey into the mind of a tech visionary. And if you find this clip valuable, don't forget to like, comment, and share. Your support helps me grow the podcast and bring more speakers and invaluable insights to the show. In the first part, Zuckerberg discusses his fascination with how people work and his initial project before Facebook. This segment offers insights into the genesis of Facebook and how initial ideas evolve into significant projects. Well, why don't we start with just the early days of Facebook? Um, tell us what it was like when you started it. Sure. So for me, the thing that I was really fascinated by and, and always have been is um, people, right? And, and how, how people work. Um, you know, when I was in college, I, I studied psychology and computer science. And, you know, one of the things that you learn when you study psychology is that there are all these parts of the brain which are geared just towards understanding people, right? Understanding language, how to, how to communicate with each other, um, understanding facial expressions, emotions, processing. Um, yet when I looked out at the Internet, right, in, in 2004, which is when I was getting started, you can find almost anything else that you wanted, right? You could find news, uh, movies, music, uh, reference materials. But the thing that mattered the most to people, um, which was other people and like understanding what's going on with them, just wasn't there. Right. And I, I think what was going on was that all that other content was just out there, able to be indexed by, you know, search engines and, and other services. Yeah. But in, in order to understand what's going on with people, you needed to build uh, tools that made it so that they could express what was going on with themselves. You know, I wanted to figure out what courses to take. So I, I built this little website course match that... Uh, you know, that just made it so that you could enter what courses you were taking and you could click on them and see who else was in them. And it, it did all these correlations. So it told you people who, who, who took this course were likely to enjoy this course too. And, you know, the thing that, that just struck me from the beginning is, you know, people would just spend hours clicking through the, here are the courses that people are taking. And wow, it, like, isn't it interesting that this person is interested in these things? And, and it was just text, right? There was nothing that was like super interesting there, but it, that just struck me as, you know, people have this deep thirst to understand what's going on with with those around them, and um, you know there were probably you know ten other things like that that I built when I was at Harvard before I actually got around to to building the first version of, of Facebook that kind of added a lot of these things together. In the second part, Zuckerberg describes the difficult decisions to turn down Yahoo's acquisition offer. This is crucial for understanding the importance of vision and long 
term goals over immediate gains. I, I want to talk for a second about low points because I sure. think people never appreciate how bad they really are. And I think it's always yeah. reassuring to hear that even Mark Zuckerberg went through some serious low points and came out okay. So can you tell us about some of the hardest parts in the history of the early history of Facebook? Yeah, I think one of the hardest parts for me was um, was actually when Yahoo offered to buy the company for for a lot of money. Because up until that point, that was this turning point in the company where before that we uh, every day we'd just come in and kind of do what we thought was the right next thing to do. Right? We'd open to more schools. We we opened to high school yeah. and opened beyond schools and um, you know launched more photos because so, because that's what seemed like the next thing that, that we needed to do to help people express themselves and, and understand more what was going on around them. Um, but then, you know, Yahoo came in with this um, with this really meaningful offer, right? I mean, a, a billion dollars for... Um, and this was how far into the company? Was it was a, a couple of years in, okay. right? And, you know, we had 10 million people using the product at the time, right? So it wasn't like, it wasn't as if it were obvious that we were going to succeed far beyond that. And that was the first point where we really had to um, to look at the future and say, wow, um, is what we're going to build um, going to actually um, be so much more meaningful for this? And, you know, that caused a lot of interesting conversations in the company and, and with our investors. And, you know, at the end of that, Dustin and I just decided, you know, no, we think that we can actually go connect more than just the 10 million people who are in schools. We can go beyond that and, and have this really be a successful thing. And we decided to go for it. But that was really stressful because a lot of people really thought that we should sell the company. And, um, and, you know, for a lot of folks who joined a startup, I, I feel like at that point, I hadn't been very good about communicating that we were trying to go for this mission. Yeah. Um, you know, we just showed up every day and, yeah. and just kind of did what we thought was the, the right next thing to do. So for a lot of the folks who joined early on, they, they weren't really aligned with me, right? For, for them, you know, they, they joined and, um, you know, being able to sell a company for a billion dollars after a couple of years was that was like a home run, right? And and it is a home run, right? Cool. And and that's you know I think that that's um, I, I get that, but you know that I think that the fact that I didn't communicate very well about what we were trying to do caused um, caused this huge tension. And the part that was painful wasn't wasn't turning down the offer. It was the fact that after that, um, a huge amounts of the company quit because they didn't believe in in what we were what we were doing, right? I mean, if you look at the management team that we had. Did that whole um, management team leave? The whole management team was gone within um, within about a year after that. And the third part, Zuckerberg emphasizes starting with a problem to solve rather than a desire to build a company. This advice is critical for young entrepreneurs in prioritizing problem solving and value creation. Did you think Facebook was going to be a company when you started? I, I built the first version of Facebook because... It's something that my friends and I wanted to use uh, at Harvard, a, a directory and a way to connect with the other people around us. And I, I didn't think at all that it was going to be a company. I, I remember very specifically the night that that we launched um, the first version. I, I went out to uh, to get pizza with um, a couple of my friends who, um, who who now work here, and you know, and I remember really clearly we were talking about how one day we thought that someone was going to build a community like this for the world uh, and that that would be some company, but it, like it clearly wasn't going to be us. I mean, it's, it, it just, it wasn't even, it didn't even occur. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it wasn't even an option that we considered that it might be us. I mean, we, we just weren't focused on building a company back then. We were just building something that, that, that we thought would be useful at our school. So as you look back, is there something that made Facebook different from the other projects that you had built that allowed it to turn into this, the company it is today? Um, well, for one, I think we, we kept going, right? So, I mean, the, the others, I mean, course match and, um, you know, and just the, the, the other different crowdsource tools, um, you know, they, they kind of serve their purpose and yeah. then, then we were done. Whereas with Facebook, there was just such, you know, people loved it, right. And, and had such an intensity of using it. I think within a couple of weeks, uh, two thirds of students at Harvard were using it. And all these other students at MIT and other local uh, universities were writing in asking us if we could open up uh, Facebook at, at their school. So we kind of just followed that, right? And, you know, again, we didn't, I, I didn't set out and, you know, my roommates didn't set out to to build a service that we we're going to turn into a company, but we just kind of followed what people wanted. And that led us to expand it to all these other schools and, um, and eventually beyond schools. And to, you know, at some point, uh, once we'd hired a bunch of people, we decided to turn it into a company and, 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 um, and, and go for this mission of connecting the world. But that's not where we started. As you think about where you did start, is there other advice that comes to mind that you give to other people that want to build products uh, that you can take away from the early days of Facebook? Yeah. You know, I always think that you should start with the problem that you're trying to solve in the world and not start with um, deciding that you want to build a company. Right. I mean, the best yeah. companies that, that get built are, are things that are trying to drive some kind of social change, even if it's just local in one place, uh, you know, more than starting out because you want to make a bunch of money or, or have a lot of people working for you or, or build some company in some way. So, you know, I always think that this is kind of a perverse thing about Silicon Valley in a way, really which true. is that, you know, people decide often that they want to start a company before they even decide what they want to do. And that just feels really backwards to me. And, you know, for anyone who's had the experience of actually building a company, you know that you go through some really hard things along the way. And I think part of what gets you through that is believing in what you're doing and knowing that what you're doing is is really delivering a lot of value for people. Um, and, and that's, I think, how the best companies end up getting made. In the fourth part, Zuckerberg talks about creating a learning culture within a company and the importance of experimentation. This part is insightful for understanding how to foster innovation and adaptability in a startup. Yes, so I want to talk about one of the most common questions we get from people building products is how to decide what to build, mm -hmm. how to figure out when to bet the company, how to do something totally new. Yeah, And I think one thing that Facebook has done incredibly well is figure out what to build mm -hmm. and be and build this repeated innovation culture, which I think is like the hardest thing to do in business. So how have you done that and how do you advise other people to do the same? I think the key is building a company which is focused on learning as quickly as possible. Right? Companies are, are learning organisms. And you can make decisions that either make it so that you learn faster or you learn slower. And you know, in a lot of ways, building a company is like following the scientific method, right? You, you try a bunch of different hypotheses, and if you set up the experiments well, then you kind of learn what to do. And I think that's, that's an important philosophy. So there are all these different decisions that we make inside the company, you know, everything down to um, really empowering individual engineers. We, we invest in this huge 
um, testing framework, right? At any given point in time, there aren't, there's not just one version of Facebook running in the world, right? There's probably tens of thousands of versions running because engineers here have the power to um, to try out an idea and 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 ship it to you know maybe ten thousand people or a hundred thousand people, and then they get a readout on how um, that version of what they did, whether it was um, a, a change to you know show better content in newsfeed or, or UI change or some new feature, they, they get a readout on how. Uh, that version performed compared to the baseline version of, of Facebook that we have on, on everything that we care about, how how connected people are, um, you know, how much people are sharing and how much they say that they're finding meaningful content, uh, business metrics like how, how much revenue we make and, and engagement of the overall community. And, you know, by running you know, tens of thousands of, of different experiments and, and putting the power in people's hands to try all these different things, you can imagine we just make so much more progress than we could if every change had to be approved by me, right? Or, or any, every idea had to come from, from management. So I do think that there's something very deep about building this, you know, learning culture and moving quickly towards that, that just helps you get ahead over time. The fifth part, Zuckerberg shares his approach to hiring, focusing on talent over experience and creating opportunities within the company. This segment is beneficial for young entrepreneurs looking to build their teams. Another thing that I think Facebook has done exceptionally well is hiring. And, and I always tell founders that this is the thing you have to get good at. So how have you hired your team uh, and, and how, what do you look for when you bring people on? If you think about it, you know, I started the company when I was 19, right? So I can't institutionally believe that experience is that important, right? right? Or else I would have a hard time reconciling, yeah. um, you know, myself, right? And 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 the company. So, you know, we invest in in people who we think are just really talented, even if they haven't done that thing before. And, you know, that applies to people who are fresh out of university, as well as, you know, people like, um, you know, the CFO who took the company public had not taken a company public before, right? And his, a lot of his background was in, um, you know, production uh, development at Genentech before. So, you know, just focus on really talented people. And so if you don't have the experience to look for? How do you assess someone's raw talent? Um, well, often you can tell from different things that they've done, right? So it's it's not that, you know, obviously everyone's done something, right? right? I mean, if you're, even if you're 19, right, you've um, you've done side projects and, and interesting stuff. Um, and, you know, I think what's, what's important is not to believe that someone has to have specifically done the job that they're going to do in order to be able to, to do it well. One of the things that I think we've done well is is just giving the people at the company a lot of opportunity, right? So, you know, it's not just me who started when I was 19 and and now, you know, I'm running this big company. There were a number of people who joined who were, you know, people I did problem sets with at Harvard or they dropped out of Stanford or, you know, different programs who have grown with the company over this long period of time. And, you know, one of the things that I'm the most proud of is we have about 12 different product groups at the company. And all of the people who are running them, um, with the exception of, of uh, one, uh, did not join the company running a product group or reporting to me. That's amazing. Um, and the one exception was is David Marcus, who was the CEO of a you know, $50 billion public company. So, um, you know, so I'm pretty happy that, 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 that he's on board and, and having him run a product group, I think, is a pretty big coup, too. But literally, none of them started off reporting to me. Um, you know, they all start off in different, in different roles. Some were engineers, some were data analysts, um, some were product managers. And they've all grown. But I think what happens is, you know, people see that you create opportunities for people. And, and that also, I think, 
keeps the best people engaged and makes the best people want to come work at your company because they feel like, oh, I'm going to get those kind of opportunities too. And in the last part, Zuckerberg ends with advice on risk-taking, highlighting the importance of embracing change and taking risk to avoid stagnation. Uh, speaking of Peter, and sort of a, a closing question, what, what's the best piece of advice he ever gave you? I think Peter was the person who, who told me this really pithy quote that in a world that's changing so quickly, the biggest risk you can take is not taking any risk. And I, I really think that that's true, right? I mean, a lot of people, I think, think that, um, you know, whenever it comes to, uh, whenever you get yourself into a position where you have to make some some big shift in, in direction or do something, um, you know, there are always, people are going to point to the, the downside risks of that decision. And locally, they're maybe right, right? I mean, it, it, for any given decision that you're going to make, there's, upside and downside. But in aggregate, if you are stagnant and you don't make those changes, then um, then I think you're guaranteed to fail right? and, and not, not catch up. So to some degree, I think it's really right that over time, the biggest risk that you can take is to not take any risks. That is a great place to leave it. Thank you very much. All right. And that's a wrap on our deep dive with Mark Zuckerberg. From his early days crafting Facebook in a dorm room to rejecting billion-dollar offers, we have uncovered some truly game-changing insights. It's not just about building a tech empire. It's about vision, courage, and sticking to your true north. It makes you think, doesn't it? how one decision can alter the course of your journey. If today's discussion sparked any ideas or gave you a moment of uh-huh, I'd love to hear about it in the comments. And hey, if you liked what you heard, why not share it? Whether it's a thumbs up, a comment, or passing this along to a fellow entrepreneur, your small gesture makes a big difference. It helps me bring more stories like Zuckerberg's to you. Your support expands the podcast community, connecting more minds, more ideas. It's all about growing together. So let's keep the conversation going. Who knows? The next episode might just feature the insight you need right now. Stay tuned, stay curious, and above all, stay driven. Whether you are building the next big thing or just starting out, remember, every giant leap begins with a small step. Until next time, keep charting your path and making your mark on the world.